0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Episode 7 of the Gridiron Giants Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Palolo, joined, of course, by my co-host Anthony Novello and Novello. We didn't record after the Giants' tough loss on Monday Night Football to the Kansas City Chiefs in Week 8. And honestly, it might have been better for my health, man. That game was so frustrating. I felt like the Giants just had a ton of opportunities to beat a really good football team. Maybe the Chiefs aren't playing great this year, but you know what I mean? They still have the aura around them. Obviously, all those playmakers, the Giants' defense played great. They weren't able to win that game. And it it was pretty painful. But luckily for us... Week nine, they come back against another AFC West team, a, a pretty good one, and they get a huge victory right before the bye week, 23-16 against the Las Vegas Raiders. And Novello, you were in attendance to see this one. I mean, it, it, it was a good one. It was it was another feel-good victory for the Giants. About a couple of them in the past couple weeks, but uh, that that one felt good.
1: Oh, absolutely. But uh, just to touch on this Chiefs game, really fast, just an absolute heartbreaker, such as like some of the other ones throughout the rest of the season that we've already witnessed. And yeah, just tough loss. We just cannot get things right. We got opportunities and then we just absolutely lost them. But yeah, absolutely. The the Raiders game was an awesome game. I was there. So it, was, it was a great time. I know we're going to get into some details. I'll have some on-field details to share as well. But um, yeah, let's get into it. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, I love it. I think the overarching theme of this game, for sure, Novello, was the defense. It seemed like after that game that they kind of got embarrassed there against the Los Angeles Rams. I was I was a little nervous about this defense. You know what I mean? They were supposed to be our backbone all year. And then they had a tough game in Dallas, followed that up with that brutal performance against the Rams. And Patrick Graham, I was like, well, he had a great first year and hopefully he could turn it around. And again, similarly to how last year he got off to maybe a little bit of a slow start and the defense really kicked it in. Come the second half of the year, he, he's unbelievable. I mean, that Raiders offense is a good team, and uh, he's he's had a, he's had a really good plan this year for elite tight ends. If you ask me, I know Darren Waller had a bunch of garbage yards. If you ask me, in the end of this game, but Travis Kelsey was limited a lot. Darren Waller this past week, if you, like really for three and a half quarters was really until that last drive. James Bradbury has played a lot on those tight ends, so I just think like by far the, I mean, I know obviously he's not a player, but the MVP of this game was Patrick Graham for sure. Continuously kept the Giants in the games by holding uh, the Raiders offense to field goals in the red zone. So I'll tip my cap to him. And he's uh, definitely, uh, his seat is definitely cool. Do you know what I mean? I don't think he was ever really on the hot seat, I'll say, but after that Rams game, I was a little nervous about it, but he's definitely turned it around, especially the Chiefs game. you, You were seeing glimpses of it for sure. And then this past week, uh, just another another great performance.
1: Yeah, I just love the way that Patrick Graham kind of, like, approaches offenses when he's uh, getting ready and prepping the team. You know, against the Chiefs, just to mention that game real quick, like, the Chiefs, obviously, they're known for their downfield speed, their downfield passing game, and just getting guys, like, open in so many situations. And he was able to, like, kind of, like, really, like, set up some nice coverages behind there. He would always play with the two high. He'd have guys back there preventing that deep ball, that deep passing game. And one thing that I love that he did against the Chiefs was that he let Adoree Jackson and James Bradbury um, cover Travis Kelsey, and I believe it was Tyree Kill, one-on-one, James Bradbury on Travis Kelsey and Adoree Jackson on Tyree Kill. And then the rest of the de- the, the guys were double-teamed, which was, like, awesome. It was It was pretty cool to see how he worked that game. And similarly to the Raiders, like, I love that um, we've had James Bradbury for the opportunity to lock up some of the best tight ends in the league. I think that's a huge bonus for us, not letting these tight ends, like, get too involved. I know Darren Waller did have a, a couple of catches. I know a pretty good amount of targets. But, you know, what? in the red zone, I was able to watch it firsthand, honestly. Like, James Bradbury really, like, holding it down against Darren Waller. And, yeah, that was an awesome thing to witness. Um, one thing that is awesome with Adoree Jackson and James Bradbury, both of them, Um they have really good completion percentages like while playing uh, back there in defense, James Bradbury was two for six. I Meaning he just had two balls caught on him out of the six targets to him. And then a Jackson two for eight, which is like unbelievable 25% and 33% for two of the, our starting corners, like props to them. They played a great game.
0: Yeah. I was going to mention uh, almost that Patrick Graham gets a lot of credit right now, but I mean, his secondary has stepped up big time. I mean, a Jackson, Maybe people get a little angry at him because of all the drop interceptions that he's had this year. Don't get me wrong, there's been a bunch. But, I mean, he's really been a good signing so far, it seems like. It, it really, I can't point to any single game where he's been a liability at all. I mean, he's been definitely an asset for us. I'm happy that he's... Uh, getting comfortable in our scheme and stuff like that. Another guy in that secondary who was really helping out Patrick Graham for sure these past couple of weeks is Xavier McKinney. You mentioned the Chiefs game, how they liked to play him over the top, and he did a very similar – played a similar role this past week against the Raiders. Two interceptions, including the pick six, which was an awesome play on that. And then the other one kind of just baited Derek Carr, if you ask me, over the top. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the X-Men. I mean, we drafted him in the second round last year. I loved the pick. I thought he was a first-round talent for sure out of Alabama, but – Had an injury last year, got off to a slow start, came into his own really late last year, had a pick in that Dallas game to seal it in week 17. But yeah, good season so far for Xavier McKinney. Had two interceptions in the game against the Rams and now has a second one and uh, really propelled our team to victory. I mean, that interception coming out of the half was huge that he ended up returning for a touchdown.
1: Yeah, it was awesome to watch that in person, too. I just remember kind of like Derek Carr throwing the ball and I, I yelled, pick it. And then the whole crowd went crazy and watched Xavier McKinney run down the field. It was awesome to see that. Yeah. And Xavier McKinney, man, he's really coming to his own. Just like you said, like he is playing so, so well. He's got four picks on the year, which is tied for I believe fourth I saw this morning. And he's helping this Patrick Graham defense, like really like improve, you know, lately coming in over the last couple of weeks. Now he has four picks and they're really just over the last couple of weeks. If you think about it, he didn't really have too much of an impact early on in the year, but um I love to see that he's staying in the game. He played 100% of the snaps this week, and that's awesome to see compared to uh, some of the games earlier in the year where he was playing about 40 or 50%. And then, like, I've I've saw something on Instagram actually today. The Giants' defense over the last three weeks have allowed 12 points per game. That's their average for the last three weeks, and that's awesome. Like to see that. Like, I'm not sure if that's the best in the league, but that's got to be like that's got to be up there. That's really good. Love to see that.
0: It's definitely real close. I mean, you mentioned you talk on McKinney's snap count. I was remember we talked about Jabril Peppers when he was healthy. I mean, him going down, obviously, has, lead, has led to Xavier McKinney playing an expanded role. And I think that maybe this is why I think Jabril Peppers is on the outside looking in when it comes to his Giants future, because you see how well McKinney has played with this uh, new role and stuff like that. I mean, he's, he's more than ready for it. And With Logan Ryan too locked up, and those two guys complement each other pretty well. More on the coverage side of things, you know what I mean, we don't have like the Jabou Pepper is more of the run support guy out of that trio right there, those names that I mentioned. But the way that Patrick Granger has been running his stuff and playing those two guys over the top, he loves it. And uh, honestly, I'm, I'm all for it, too. I like how the Giants play a lot of cover, too, whether it's two men underneath or just uh, a shell underneath. But um, one other thing I want to mention, oh, a couple more things, actually, I sh- should say, uh, mentioned about this defense. One thing that really stuck out to me was really their ability to hold the Raiders out of the end zone even on long drives, I mean, the drive before half, they almost they did give up points before half. But listen, it wasn't a touchdown; it was a field goal. They had another drive, the Raiders, where they had to go 15 plays down the field, and they only settled for three points. I mean, again, when you can continuously like give your team a chance by um by just not like by by keep you know what I mean by holding them to three points. Aside, I mean, the only touchdown the Giants gave up in this game was that first that first drive, and they got the like they and like a couple times they got the ball. Like in pretty good field position, I know when Jones fumbled it, so the defense like i I just can't overstate how well the defense played in this game if you ask me, it's so difficult to play when you're backed up in your own end and stuff like that, but they really came the to play, and uh yeah i mean I, I I'll go with you on that i mean how do, how do you feel about that
1: yeah, listen, like when you so our offense had a total amount of yards of two hundred and forty five yards, and we won the game by about a, by a touchdown, we were up. You know, seven towards the end of the game to see the way that our offense played, which, you know what, as an offense, I'm just going to say that they got it done. That's what I'm going to that's what I'm going to say for that. Not too many turnovers. We had that one fumble. Actually, we had two fumbles. We lost that one from Daniel Jones. But like, in my opinion, the offense just did what they needed to do after the defense getting them in good position. They just were able to score points when they needed to. Uh, I see you have down here, like, we we wish that we got that touchdown at the end of the game rather than the field goal. That would have made us so much more comfortable. We wouldn't went out 27 to 16 rather than 23. But listen, the offense got it done, and that's just a credit to the defense because, like, seeing how this defense played and how they were able to propel our offense and, like, give them a shot and let them do what they do, it was awesome to see. Just like you said, man, the defense definitely carried us to this win, and I hope that they can keep playing the way that they are but I also hope that the offense has some improvement over the next couple weeks.
0: Yeah. And uh, one guy in this defense that we haven't mentioned yet, that was able to ice this game, Quincy Roche, the linebacker rookie from Miami. He was directed by Pittsburgh. They let him go. And now he's on the giants. And I mean, I remember even in the pre-draft stuff, I mean, this is a name that I heard a bunch of times. I was like, Oh, I'd love the giants to maybe take a flyer on him. You know what I mean? We really don't have a set adjuster. They took old So maybe they didn't want to take Roche later in the draft, but, um, I mean, the guy had a forced fumble in this game to to seal the deal. He just looks off the edge 10 times better than Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Jimenez. So I think they go in his direction. Um, moving forward, I think that he should definitely be their, star- their starting, uh, one of their starting outside linebackers. And I think even, like, again, he gained a lot of traction, if you ask me, in that game against... Kansas City, get, you had a lot of good reps in that game, and then you bring it over again, so back-to-back weeks now, good performances from him, uh, it's almost like maybe, maybe you have something and then so credit to Patrick Graham for uh, like being able to showcase his talents.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Quincy Roche, he was the only person with a sack, which is a little disappointing when you think about it, when we got these guys like Aziz Ojalari, you know, Leonard Williams, they were the only, he was the only guy with a sack, and like, just to see, like, the way that that one sack went down. It was kind of, it was relieving to see a guy like Quincy Roche kind of make that play because we had guys like Lorenzo Carter. He just kind of goes down. Hasn't really been working out with him. Then we got Oshien Zemein going offside against the Chiefs. Like two guys who kind of like you know just hasn't been clicking, I guess, with them. And then we get a guy like Quincy Roche from the Steelers, like you said, like just to see him come in and make the impact that he did. It was awesome to see. And uh, yeah, that, it was just awesome. There's not much to it.
0: Yeah, once again that drive too that the Giants ended up winning the Giants defense ends up winning the game on was of course in the reds. I mean the Raiders run like the thirteen yard line the Giants thirteen yard line and uh Rocher gets the strip sack. I uh, forget exactly who it I think Leonard Williams hopped on it. Leonard and, Williams, uh, yep. Yes, it was. Uh, yep, you're right. Thank you for clarifying that. And uh, the Giants defense wins this ballgame for them. The reason why the Giants defense had to win this ballgame for them was because the Giants offense, like you mentioned earlier, couldn't get it done. And we'll spin it off now to the offense. I'll leave off with the defense. An unbelievable job. They absolutely earned that win. Like I said, the Panthers game of week seven, they deserve that win. Even you could – I'll even say that in week eight they deserve that win against the Chiefs too. Maybe a couple blunders that you got to fix a little bit, but they definitely played well enough against that Chiefs team to win, and for sure they deserve this win against that Raiders team. To the offensive side of things, you mentioned earlier that you think that the offense got the job done and like did just enough. I, I, I'm going to be a little more harsh if you ask me. I think the first the first drive was great. I mean, they scored a touchdown on the first drive. Evan Ingram makes probably the best play of his Giants career so far going over Jonathan Abrams. I mean, I was – great catch right mean, this is what i expect from evan ingram when you take a tight end in the first round but um yeah a- after that it was a whole lot of nothing from the giants really from an aerial attack and i think a lot of that contributed to the offensive line play was not good at all in pass pro but i r- running the ball they ran the ball probably that was probably the best ground game performance i think i've seen all year from the giants i know Devonte booker would just get a solid four or five yards a clip just running downhill and, uh, I mean, he honestly looked pretty good. That was probably his best game of the season from a rushing standpoint. And the offensive line, like I said, from a run-blocking standpoint, probably played their best game. Pass-blocking, not the case. It definitely showed with Daniel Jones. I mean, Jones barely even threw, threw for over 100 yards in this game. You got lucky that they got a pick six in there. So the Giants had some chances to score in this game. They didn't. And if you ask me, I think they just got lucky that their defense played uh, and had a masterful performance because I don't think I really don't think the Giants' defense uh, the Giants' offense did enough to win this game.
1: Yeah, well, I'm going to talk about quickly Devontae Booker, one of the, you know, definitely Joe Judge actually gave him the game ball. Today was, I mean, today, the game against the Raiders was his revenge game. He mm. actually had the best game of his career rushing wise. 99 yards is his career high at rushing. He was able to do that against the Raiders. And like to see, like, the way I don't remember the last time that the Giants had like a good amount of rushing yards. And we had 31 rushes for 149 yards. I don't really remember, like, recently the game where we had, like, not that 150 rushing yards is, like, amazing, but it's definitely, like, pretty solid, no doubt. But, um, yeah, to see that Devontae Booker had a hell of a game, that was cool to watch. Um, Hopefully we get Saquon back. I know we're going to talk about that later. But, um, yeah, just like you said, offensive line, a little questionable. We got sacked three times for 14 yards. Daniel Jones fumbled. We lost, ended up losing that one. And, yeah, just like you said, Daniel Jones passing 15 for 20. He had 96 passing yards. So, like, it's not like our offense had a hell of a day. Just like you said, the defense definitely carried us. And uh, that Evan Ingram touchdown was absolutely awesome to watch in person. I was sitting in that end zone. I actually walked – we walked out of, like, out of our little gate, and we just kind of, like, looked out onto the field, and the first thing we see was the Evan Ingram touchdown. It was awesome to watch. Yeah,
0: I mean, I'm sure it was. I mean, he he got up. He got up. There's no doubt about it. I, I know. I was looking at something. I was watching like ESPN yesterday, and like they throw this little thing on underneath like their graphic, of course. Uh, and it was like Daniel Jones lives up to the name of quote unquote dime to that Ingram touchdown because like next gen defines a dime or something as like a 20 plus yard pass like with less than one yard of separation or something like that. So, something like that. If anybody wants to know, Daniel Jones threw his 10th career quote unquote dime touchdown <laughs> uh according to next gen stats so I, th- I thought that was a pretty cool nugget but uh yeah i mean it, evan Ingram was not like he he was not wide open at all it was it was a pretty good throw it was a perfect throw I don't necessarily know if it was like the right throw to make, but Evan Ingram made sure it was the right throw to make, so that's good. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Devontae Booker revenge game, yeah. Uh, you mentioned the thirty for thirty-one for one forty-nine too. Like I, I just don't remember the time that the Giants averaged five yards a carry, and I exactly. mean they really didn't yeah. have like a long run. I, I think Devontae Booker had maybe like one long run for about twenty yards. Aside from that, it was it just always seemed like the Giants offensive line was pushing forward, moving forward. Devontae Booker, maybe people say that um, he just like he runs like better. Uh, in a sense of what Jason Garrett wants to do sometimes. Maybe he doesn't they don't like how Saquon Barkley dances. I I I mean I, just give me, give me Saquon Barkley back there. But for <laughs> what Devontae Booker was able to do to step in this game, he definitely helped us, definitely propelled us to victory. He definitely deserved a game ball, if you ask me, uh for, from the offensive side of the ball. I definitely think he helped us, carry the victor. He went out, though, a little bit in this game. They brought in Eli Penny. I I honestly like how Eli Penny ran the ball down the stretch. Obviously, a fullback running back hybrid type. But uh, he's got some some legs under him. You know what I mean? He's he's not afraid to go run somebody over, too. So I think those two guys, maybe moving forward, can help um, take some of the load off of Saquon Barkley, especially with him coming back from another injury.
1: Yeah, the Devontae Booker, you know, I was sitting in, like, one of the end zones, and I was just kind of able to, like, see an end zone view of what the offensive line is looking like. I just remember, like, seeing him just, like, pop out towards open spaces when they were running towards us, and then, like, when they were running away from us, he was just able to see the holes so well. Like, I really, like, I grew respect for Devontae Booker's vision after, like, some of the holes he was able to find and some of the openings he was able to cut to. But – um, and another thing, like, Elijah Penny, I actually love to watch Elijah Penny run. I believe he was in the third quarter when he started to come in, either the second or third quarter, when he started to actually run the ball for us because Devontae Booker went down for a little bit. And, like, he – it's – in the third and fourth quarter, like, you do not want to tackle a man the size of Elijah Penny running full speed at you. He was just kind of able to, like, ground and pound the run. And just able to get some good rushing yards for us. Kind of grind out that Raiders defense. But um, one thing that I definitely wanted to see, was a, a little surprised to see, was that our target leader was Kyle Rudolph with five. And then Kadarius Tony only had one target. So, like, to see that, you know, there's got to be something going on there that was not, I guess, right for Kadarius Toney. Maybe the injury or something. But that's not a number that we want to see. Kadarius Toney only with one target.
0: Absolutely not. It's almost like we're moving backwards in a sense. I know that game against the Chiefs, Kadarius, Tony, he played, but I didn't think he was really 100%. I thought you could kind of tell that he was grimacing a little bit. And I know he hurt his hand then in that fourth quarter and stuff like that. I ended up coming back in the game. But again, just wasn't, wasn't that full go. So I figured out maybe in week nine, you know what I mean? Even though it was a short week, I uh, got a couple more practices under his belt. Maybe he'd be full go. And, yeah, I, I thought he maybe was, but honestly I couldn't tell you because he just didn't get the ball enough and really wasn't involved enough. Just, you mentioned one target for Tony. If you ask me that can't happen, he's your first-round pick, and he's shown you now that he's proven himself that he can be a, a focal point of this offense and to not really get him too involved. I know you could point to a lot of things. Maybe the offensive line wasn't great enough, so you didn't want to throw the ball as much, but I, I really don't think there's an excuse for that. Kenny Galladay has well played in his first game since that week. Five game against Dallas, and he had two catches for 28 yards. Don't get me wrong. They were two big catches on third down, but I, I don't know. Again, Kenny Galladay were paying him a lot of money. Let's get him the football involved. You mentioned not really – I mean, five targets from Kyle Rudolph was the team lead, so it's not like we were this high-volume attack. I mean, Jones only completed 15 passes, but – Again, something that you don't necessarily love. I guess maybe it's one of those things where Garrett just adapted to the fact that the defense was going to carry him to victory and let's just survive on offense and not really turn the ball over. But I, I don't know. I don't I don't love that style of play at all. I, I like your your offense has got to be in attack mode all the time. You can't just play conservative and stuff like that. So I'd love for the Giants to hopefully fix that because I don't want to see another game where Tony and Gaude at full health are combining for three targets. I mean, I, I don't know. I, that just leaves like a sour taste in my mouth.
1: Yeah, well, honestly, like, we we hope that the Kadarius-Tony-Kelny-Galladay, like, target issue is related to their injuries. I'm really hoping that that's why. They also, another thing, you know, when they are fully healthy, which after this bye week, I expect both of them to be playing that week against the Bucks fully healthy. And, like, honestly, Kenny-Galladay and Kadarius-Tony both had 55% of offensive snaps. They played 31 plays each. And, like... Just to see those two guys who we brought in this offseason, like, as a Giants fan, like, you want to see those guys explode and have games and, like, do things that the other guys in the years prior were not able to do. But, like, just, like, when you have games like this, it's it's a little demoralizing, but we hope that it's just because of a injury-type thing. I'm hoping. Another thing, John Ross played five snaps. I'm sure, I think John Ross is also dealing with the hamstring, something similar to Kenny Galladay. Or actually, Kenny Gallagher is a knee, but I'm pretty sure it's the hamstring. I hope that he could play more, too. Because just like just like I said a couple weeks ago, like, one target to John Ross a game cannot hurt. Just one deep shot to John Ross cannot hurt. But overall, we definitely got to see these three guys get involved some more um, after both, all three of them being offseason additions.
0: Yeah, and even I know this guy was an offseason addition.
1: And like, I didn't even have a catch this past week. Darius Slayton only had one
0: target, too. So... It just just a tough day in general for the Giants' aerial attack. Like I said, that's something that you hope that you can uh, build on, obviously. Of course, I mean, you don't want to put another performance like this out there. You can't rely on their defense to do that much more. Uh, but Novello, we'll move into our next part of the show, our kind of midseason recap in a sense. We are halfway through the NFL season, and luckily for the Giants, their bye week does split it right into two. So they're going to be on a bye this week, like we mentioned, week 10. Uh, they will be getting a break, not having to go to Tampa Bay until next week. But uh, right now, though, we're 3-6, and six, and I want your instant just reaction. Like, when you saw the schedule, let's say, for the first, like, nine games, like, do you think – and then, like, how how did you predict that we would go? And then now, seeing that how we've played these games, like, do you think, th- like, we should be better than 3-6, three, three and six, or do you think we're lucky to be 3-6? and six?
1: I think before the season started and before all the injuries happened, I was predicting much better than 3-6. and six. I don't remember my exact predictions, like, from game to game. But I definitely remember it being better than 3-6 and thus far. But um, I'm definitely a little disappointed. I think three games stick out to me the most. And it's the Chiefs, a Washington football game, and then the game against the Atlanta Falcons. Those three games leave a bitter, bitter taste in my mouth for reasons that I do not want to mention or think about. But, again, they just leave bitter taste in my mouth. Those are games that I think we should be winning. And I think, personally, that we should be 6-3 and and up there with the Cowboys at the top of the NFC East.
0: Yeah, I think three and six before the season, I would have told you, like, no, we ha- like we should definitely be better because, I mean, you look at the schedule, especially I-, I mentioned, I mean, we didn't really do a preseason episode with the Giants, but I was telling a lot of people, like, the Giants' home schedule this year was very favorable. I mean, they got Atlanta at home, they got Denver at home. The Raiders are not a good East Coast team. I I'm- i I'm upset that we didn't do an episode last week because I would emphasize how much I knew the Giants were going to win this game against the Raiders. It was just a perfect spot for them to bounce back and stuff like that. But so the Raiders, they had the Broncos, they had the Falcons, the Panthers as well. Obviously, you have all those division games. Yeah, you had the Rams at home. But that was your one bad home game. I mean, for the Giants to drop the Broncos and the Falcons at home, obviously that Washington game, the Chiefs game. Yeah, they've had a lot of missed opportunities. They should definitely, if you ask me, be better than three and six. And it's kind of a shame because the NFC playoff picture is a mess. It is so murky. Uh, behind Dallas, um, I mean, the Rams... Tampa Bay, Dallas, the Cardinals, and the Packers. I mean, those last two spots are completely up for grabs. It's like the Saints, the Falcons, the Seahawks have like three wins. The Niners have three wins. Like there's, there's no team. There's a lot of openings in the, NFC East playoff, in the NFC playoff picture that if the Giants were four and five, they're right in. I'm not saying they're not in at three and six, but they're going to have to rattle off some serious victories to be in that thing. So I'd say with all the injuries – that have happened so far i mean i guess i'll be a little more like sympathetic but like, i mean it doesn't really it doesn't really like do it for me you know what i mean like you still got to find ways to win and like even with the injuries like the giants have still had a bunch of chances to win so that does um upset me a little bit now i guess i'll put you on like, like offensive like the offensive side of the ball versus the defensive side of the ball whole body of work through all seven through all nine weeks who are you more impressed with which side of the ball
1: I'm definitely more impressed with the defense. I think that's I think that's an easy answer. I can see you giving a, a similar answer. But the reason I'm impressed with the defense thus far is that Patrick Graham, again, yet again, has done the same thing that he done last year. He starts off a little slow, but then he begins to figure out his players. He begins to figure out what they're good at, the play calls that they're good with. And I think that, like, now, like, I I can't see this defense, you know, getting destroyed like they did against the Rams again, like – I hope that they can try to figure this out now and keep it going. Like I just, I want this defense to just keep getting better because that's how, that's how these good teams and the wild card teams and whatever, that's how they just keep riding up into the playoffs. And I hope that the Giants can do the same thing again with the offense. Just like the story of the offense is just the injuries and like they're doing, you know, they're doing with what they got. But at the same time, it's there's definitely a disappointment factor for me. Looking at the offense, because I love Daniel Jones, I love our offensive weapons, but some of them just cannot stay healthy. Our offensive line has been a wreck the entire season, getting Daniel Jones hit, turnovers, fumbles. Honestly, like you said, the simple answer to your question, I'm much more impressed by the defense and how it's been playing lately.
0: Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I know, like you said, the defense got off to a little bit of a tough start, whereas the offense didn't. Like, I thought the offense, especially week two, they played one of their best games of the season. Of course, in that victory against the Saints in week four was great. But, I mean, since that win against the Saints in week four, they have – been putrid on half. Like it has not been good. I mean, yeah, they played all right against Carolina, but again, the defense held them to three points. That was a defensive. I'm not gonna say the offense going to win us the game that day, but if you ask me, that it wasn't like the offense carried us to victory. Like the offense, the offense played good against that Saints game. Don't get me wrong. And since then, like I said, I mean, they haven't been at full strength. So I'm not going to, like, completely throw the offense under the bus, but I will side with the defense there. It, it's just tough when your offense isn't completely at 100%, and especially because the Giants going into the season weren't this high-powered top-three offense in the NFL. They don't have a quarterback that's going to elevate every single player around them. Like, Daniel Jones, don't get me wrong. He's a good quarterback. I truly believe so. But he's he's not that guy, again, that's going to raise a guy like John Ross to elite wide receiver status to um, – Colin Johnson, elite, you know, that's just not him. You know, he needs other playmakers around him. So when Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, Saquon Barkley, and who's the other one? I'm at, Sterling Shepard are not playing snaps together. It just, it's not good. You know, what I mean, it's a recipe for disaster. Obviously, you lose Nick Gates up front. Shane Lemieux, I think he played, I don't even know if he played then. In week, he did play in week one, right? I, I can't even remember because I remember he was hurt in preseason and then he came back. So yeah, Lemieux has, it's a lost season from him. And I think the biggest guy who's been out for Daniel Jones, I haven't even mentioned so far, is Andrew Thomas. I think Andrew – I mean, you look at where the games Andrew Thomas has played in Daniel Jones' numbers, and then he didn't play in that game against the Cowboys. The offense struggled. Obviously, Daniel Jones gets hurt in that game. And then against the Rams, he comes back and goes down early in that game. And I, I just think there's a true correlation right there between Daniel Jones' uh, Daniel Jones's success and Andrew Thomas's availability and really his level of play because the, uh, Andrew Thomas – had kind of a rough start to a jerky year, kind of came on towards the end of his year, and he's played very good this season. So hopefully Andrew Thomas can come back next week, as well as Saquon Barkley. Both of those two guys look like they're going to be on that track. They've both been practicing a little bit already this week. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see those two back. And I just want to see this offense really and the- try to play close to full strength, uh, really as close as we can, because, I mean, Daniel Jones, the clock's ticking on. If he's going to be our franchise quarterback, I mean, I know this year is technically not like the last year that we have to decide. But like you want to know after year three what you have in your quarterback. You really don't want to bring it into that year four. So, uh, yeah, these next nine games mean a lot for Daniel Jones's future. And I think it would benefit him a lot to have his full group of playmakers around him.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, we just the the whole purpose and the whole like the theme, the the common theme behind the entire offseason was clearly stated from Dave Gettleman, get Daniel Jones weapons. That's all that's all they were focused on this entire offseason. Bring in Kenny Galladay, John Ross, just that speed factor, Kadarius Tony. Like and now just to see like all those guys down, like again, like you said, like it's just it's taking a toll on Daniel Jones. And just like you said with Andrew Thomas, like when he comes in, he plays well, especially this year. He's I think I think through whatever amount of games he played, I remember seeing something where He either had, like, no QB hits, no QB pressures, no sacks allowed, or it was, like, very, very little in one of those categories. But he's been playing great. And, like, just like you said, like, the direct correlation between Andrew Thomas and I'm going to add in Saquon, of course, with that running game, I'm going to add those two guys in as the biggest, like, X factors that we're kind of losing out on right now. And hopefully we can get back soon because I think once that we get those two guys back over some of the others, of course, with those guys coming back, that'd be great too. But, like, I think Saquon and Andrew Thomas are the two most important ones. And I think with them two coming back, hopefully Daniel Jones can, you know, begin having, like, a Daniel Jones-like game. Hopefully no turnovers, deep balls down the field. We're able to get some of those good passes over the middle of Kenny Galladay. I want to see that stuff again. And it's just a matter of time until Saquon and Andrew Thomas come back that we might be able to see that stuff.
0: Yeah, because I mean I mentioned that it, there's just like such a divide. If you ask me in the season, where like that Dallas game almost is like the cutoff from like the first four games. Honestly, the Giants' offense, especially I mean, yeah, you can mention that it didn't look great against Denver. It wasn't great against Atlanta, but there were flashes, especially in that game against Washington and New Orleans, that this offense was starting to come together and stuff like that. Then you lose your obviously your star running back, your starting left tackle, and uh, it goes it goes bad. You know what I mean? And then throw into that all the change in the wide receiver room and stuff like that it's not like jones had anybody really consistently to lean on i mean i i can't tell you is kyle rudolph the only like i mean this is i mean like all the receivers have been hurt. they've all missed a game kyle evan ingram's missed a game obviously saquon's missed a game devante booker technically was inactive for a game so he's missed a game before i think kyle rudolph's like the only guy who's been active for every game which is just crazy like that yeah. the, the that's just not a recipe for success at all obviously we've mentioned all the different moving parts on the offensive line I'm just hoping that the offense can get to full strength and give Daniel Jones a right oppor- like the right opportunity to see if he could succeed and listen if he flung if he like if he's not good down the stretch with all of his assets then maybe Daniel Jones not the guy and the Giants have to think about that in the future in the offseason and uh potentially draft a guy or go sign somebody but right now that's not the thing the giants are three and six they need to win a bunch of football games i realistically think the worst record that the giants could have to be in playoff contention would be like eight and nine so that would mean that the giants would need to go five and three down the stretch i mean you look at the Giants' schedule down the stretch it's not particularly like too too strong i mean they play tampa bay they play uh, los angeles the chargers and they play the cowboys again The other games, I mean, you got the Dolphins, the Eagles twice, the Bears and Washington. Those are extremely winnable games that if you want to be a playoff team, you will beat those games. If the Giants can go five and three down the stretch, they give themselves a chance. I'm not saying that they will. I I mean, when you watch a game like they did against the Chiefs and the Chiefs hand them the game and they just didn't take it, you're almost like you get uninspired. You're like, well, that team won't. But then when you watch the defense roll them to victory against the Raiders, you're like, all right, hold on a second. Let's not jump jump ship yet because these guys these guys want it you know what i mean if we could just get the offense and the defense playing together at the right time because we just haven't had that in forever it seems like i would love it i mean you had 2019, Daniel Jones finally like burst onto the scene, and they were that was a tough year, 2019. But the offense looked pretty good some games. And the defense was nowhere to be found that year. Obviously, last year, we, we leaned on the defense all year in the second half of the year. And on offense, we were just, again, playing playing in, survivor, in survival mode. So can, can we just play complimentary football for once? I'd love it. That, that, that's why that Saints game was so great. We played complimentary football. Uh, both sides of the ball contributed to that win. And, uh, yeah, just, I just want to see more of that down the stretch.
1: Yeah, of course. We definitely need to see more of that complimentary football that you were talking about. But another thing that we we were talking about, I think, right before the podcast started was just, like, the special teams a little bit. Some of this punt this punt shanks and, like, what what is going on, Riley Dixon? Like, that's also a part of the game, too. Like, field position is a huge part of the game. You know, it keeps field goals off the scoreboard if you get good punts pinned inside inside the 10-yard line. Like, those are also important things that I think that if we can, like, diminish those and, like, keep those off of our – you know, off of the, of our game, then like, why can't we, why can't we go five and three at least like, at least I'm talking about it. Cause the, you know, that the bucks Cowboys and chargers are all very good football teams. They're up there on the, you know, the upper, uh, some of the better teams in the league, no doubt. But again, like you said, the dolphins bears two games against the Eagles and the football team. Like we need to, we need to capitalize on those games. Definitely. If we want any chance to go into the playoffs. And I want to also include one more thing about daniel jones we me and you both know that daniel jones is no aaron Rodgers. he cannot just make plays with a bunch of like nobody not nobodies but you know what i mean like not super skilled and talented receivers in the nfl he's not gonna whip something out you know and just be able to just play with like guys no-name guys daniel jones he's gonna need some of these weapons back and i think once he gets them back I think that the Giants are going to at least go 5-3, and three, and I hope that we can beat one of these teams, one of those three teams that I mentioned, the Bucs, Cowboys, or Chargers. And I think that would really propel us into the playoffs and hopefully a successful season. Yeah, I think that's very doable with, with our team at full strength to squeeze out one of those victories. But then
0: again, then if you want to be a good football team, you have to win games that you're supposed to. Those five games that we mentioned, you have to win those football games. So it's a test to the Giants. I mean, are you a good football team? Let's see it. Let's show the test. You show it sometimes. You show it in the game against the Chiefs that, and at, at, at glimpses, you know what I mean? But then on other times, you show that you don't want to win football games. You just want to give them away. You don't want to take advantage of opportunities, of stops in the red zone, of interceptions and stuff like that. So hopefully we can finally put it all together. I'm glad you mentioned the special teams thing with Riley Dixon. He's had a tough year, if you ask me. I definitely think his Giants' future after this year, there might not be any of it. Um One thing that they mentioned on the broadcast – the Giants have the most special teams penalties in the league, which is disgusting if you ask me, because your head coach comes with a special teams background. I mean, Joe Judge used to be a special teams coach in New England. That shouldn't happen. When you're – whatever – like, when you have a head coach who used to be a coordinator somewhere, that side of the ball should be your expertise. That should be the best part of your focus. So, Joe Judge, when you're a special teams coordinator, your special teams should be 1,000% in line. I just – it blows my mind that there's a disconnect there. It, it, it doesn't make sense. Like, there's a reason why Sean McVay, the Rams, they are very good on offense. Yes, their defense is very good too. Don't get me wrong, but they – like, you think of the Rams, the first thing you're thinking of is their offense. Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals, their defense is good too. Don't get me wrong. But you don't go, oh, the Cardinals, that defense is so good. That's why they're seven or eight and one, whatever they are. No, you're going because they have Kyler Murray and they just love to aerate the ball out all over the place. So, like, can we please fix up the special teams unit on the bye week? Honestly, the bye week couldn't come any, like, at a better time. If you're actually, maybe a week earlier would have helped. I don't know. But, um, yeah, our guys hopefully can heal up. Sterling Shepard, I'd love to see him back soon. But more importantly, I think we get another week of rest for Kadarius, Tony, and Kenny Galladay. And I mean, like I said, most importantly, I'll say now, Saquon Barkley and Andrew Thomas should hopefully be back and uh, just rest up this week because we got a big Monday Night Football game uh, in Week 11 against Tampa Bay, a team that we played really well last year on Monday Night Football, so I'm excited for that. I'm sure that we'll hop on next week just to really preview that game and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm definitely excited for it. The Giants, I I mentioned, are a team that normally shows up on primetime. They did against the Chiefs. They kept it close, and uh, hopefully they can do it again come Week 11.
1: Yeah, I think that game versus the Bucs is going to be a huge test. It's like like realistically, like what type of team are the Giants because we've got glimpses and this and inconsistency and then penalties to ruin games and like this is it. Like this is this is the statement for how the rest of the season is going to go. It's going to be on Monday night against the Bucs, a good team. I believe we're going to be wearing our color rush uniforms, which is pretty cool, but again, huge test against the Bucs. like we really need to take advantage of the opportunity and show everybody in the league what the Giants are about.
0: 100%. Let's remind people that the New York Giants have a chance to at least be a playoff team, and they could be when they're playing to their full strength, which, honestly, I'm not really sure if we have seen that yet from the Giants. We we have it. No, honestly, I, I can't not. say we have We've seen a half of it, I'll say, that second half in New Orleans, I'll say. And those yeah. are the games that they just stick in your mind and they're like, wow, this team is a lot better than sometimes they get credit for. But then... They they also have some games. So I, I won't be, when you lose, when you give up 28 points in the second quarter against the Rams, you're like, all right, this team's got a lot of work to do. But besides the fact that John's are three and six right now, maybe should be a little bit better, but they're alive. You know what I mean? And that's all you can ask for in the game of football, because anything can happen on any given Sunday. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Like I said, no game to preview. So we'll come back next week with our week 11 preview for the Bucs. Novello, anything you want to leave off with?
1: Uh, let's get our guys healthy this week, and all hail the New York Giants.
0: Of course, of course. I knew what was coming, but I love it. Um, I guess I'll give you a little little nugget here. What, what do you think about Odell Beckham, our old friend? What do you think OBJ ends up with today? I mean, I think it's probably his – Um, uh, it looks like he's going he's to sign today, so I'm just curious.
1: Now, d- you know, when when all this Odell stuff was going on, obviously flashbacks started to come back, and I'm like, am I going to have to whip out my my white – $150 color rush Odell jersey that I almost burned the day he traded? Maybe. Don't know. But it's looking like those last teams are, I believe it was the Packers, Chiefs, and Saints. I personally think, I think Odell's a big homebody. I think he's going to go back down to Louisiana and play with the Saints. I hope he does,
0: too. I think Odell, I mean, listen... Yes, the guy was a headcase, case, but one of the most electric players I've ever watched. I'm happy that we were able to watch him. Of course, you mentioned the you when you when mentioned the color rushers and possibly wearing them on Monday Night Football. That's the first thing I thought about. My two color rushers are Landon Collins and OBJ, so that helps. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, listen, all the best for him. I hope. And I agree with you. I think you should definitely go to the Saints. I think he can get the volume that he wants there, playing the role that he wants. And, uh, yeah, he's going home at the end of the day. But I, def- I just wanted to – I was curious on that because, I mean, the guy – I mean, 2014 to 2018, that was an awesome run for him. Not really for the Giants, not re- but for him and for to watch him, it was awesome. But uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. Be sure to check us out on the Instagram at the deep ball underscore. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.